what since the second half really how much they've really struggled charged with finding some stability from this scrum and he can't find it that's a mighty shot a mighty Mark Lester the scrum battle resumes now and a big shot from Brazil oh that's sensational Welcome back to the next episode of the journey of a grassroots rugby coach. And in today's episode, it's part two in the three-part series where I spoke to Andy Gilbert. In the first episode, Andy spoke about not coaching young players to win, but how he develops their skill set for the future and how he uses the senior players in his club to help him with training and a heap of other stuff that we spoke about. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and have a listen. You'll get some stuff out of that as well. In today's episode, Andy's talked about how he's improving both his players and the parents of his players, how he's improving their rugby IQ as he's coaching in a predominantly non-rugby community in the US. Um, So there's some good tips in there if you're similar to Andy and you're coaching uh, any sport in an area where it's not predominant in that area and some of the tips that he used around getting the IQ to both players and parents. He also spoke about coach development and his thoughts around that and some ex, uh, reflecting on some of the stuff that he does also in his um, real-time job as a professor at the university and educating teachers. There's some really good content in this. Uh, you'll get a lot out of it. I know I did. Um, thank you so much for your support uh, and please enjoy. So how do you think us as coaches can improve the game either at like at that grassroots level or, you know, improve what, especially like in, in the U S and places like that at the moment um, for that next generation that's coming through. um, Do you think there's anything we can do at our level to help improve, improve the game? I mean, besides the things we're already doing, you know, building skills, um, you know, focusing on getting yourself right, getting your standard higher, Right. Um, those things are all essentially important, I think, to grow in the game and grow in the quality of the game. I think there's some other ones that, because maybe I'm, I'm closer to youth rugby and you had mentioned parents, I think that's one thing that we can probably do better. Uh, I have an easier time in the States than I did in Australia. Because in the States, if there's somebody who's really good with rugby or played a lot of rugby, they're typically coaching with me. Yeah, most of my other parents have no idea what they're watching right so i'll often say to parents cheer as much as you want but never tell your kid what what you think they should be doing because they don't need to hear that i was like i have a hard enough time with my voice for them getting hear me Mm, mm. you don't need to and even if you heard me yelling something earlier don't repeat it because you don't know the situation you don't know what's happening and i've watched parents and this happens in ice hockey all the time and I can remember a coach trying to cycle the, the puck up there. And this mom kept screaming at her kid to pass, to pass, to pass. And so the kid's hearing his mom and he sends this weak pass across ice that gets intercepted. And the kid's like slam dunks it past the goalie. And I could see the coach turn around and look up like at the parent that's yelling at the kid to pass when the kid didn't run what they were supposed to run. And so I think coaching up the parents. So I've done a few sessions 
where I've invited the kids and the parents to do a film session in my basement. And we just watch rugby and I talk about what's happening and the rules and you know, what it looks like. And, um, or I'll send home what I call my, my rugby prescriptions. Yep. And I'll send them links like YouTube links of things I want them to watch. Like, Hey, here's, you know, Aaron Smith running like these beautiful inside support lines. Make sure you pay attention when he scores these two tries at these times in the game, watch where he was, where he was in attack and where he ended up with the ball. And so it's those little things like trying to, to raise the rugby IQ. Yeah. Uh, and I speak to my, when I have something important to say to my kids, I usually will have before the training starts, I'll ask the parents stick around because I want to talk to all the parents and all the kids. And anything that I, is important enough to make an announcement to the parents, I want the kids to hear. Yeah. And same and same the other way. So when when I had to tell them this year that everyone was going to play at the state tournament, but some kids may not play as many minutes as they want or are used to from the regular season, um, I've made that announcement, right, in front of the group to all the parents, to all the kids. So everyone knows we're on the same page. There's no like whisper campaign of like, Oh, my kid's not starting because of this Mm, and that. mm. Right. Um, And so it's like, and I tell them what my plan was that I talked with my coaches. Here's our coaching plan. Here's certain, you know, there are kids that are going to get in these first two rounds for this many minutes. This is what I'm hoping to do if everything goes right and put it all on the table. And so then at the tournament, when I'm focused on my team, I don't have to hear, you know, parents going, why is Johnny not playing 10? Right. So, um, I think those kind of, that kind of communication between parents can make the whole culture better. And if we create better cultures and then the other, we've talked about this is just not focusing on results so much. And I think that I re I sort of reinvigorated that into my coaching after listening to Mike Friday um, mm-hmm. during the Olympic sevens where he just made the point like, Hey, sometimes you put in everything you've got and the results aren't there. Yeah. And, um, and I felt like the Olympics were an obvious example of certain countries need the tour and certain company countries need to have that level of competition because we can't have it in camp. Yeah. Our best players don't, we don't have another 10 to push them like New Zealand. Look who rose to the top, New Zealand, Fiji, right? Mm. The women's game, New Zealand, right? Uh, the teams that have the depth were able to re, I mean, Fiji's home comps probably better than the IRB, right? And w- once you get past the first four teams, right? Yeah. You imagine? So, um, so those teams were able to compete. So I think that's, for me, it's about developing the game, not focusing on results and just keep at it, man. If you, if you got a passion, go coach because there's some coach out there struggling and, and rather than sitting on the sidelines going like this coach is terrible, go out there and coach and go, you know, take a couple of trainings, get out there and coach the youngest kids. And it's, it's great, man. It's, it's super fun. I will say this though, to, coaching the under sixes is the hardest thing to do. Most people think it's easy. It's the hardest level to coach. Like you earn your way out of it. Yeah. Herding cats, herding cats. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting. You made that point about, you know, you've got that, that kid out there and you've got, 
like he's getting instructions from the coaching guys. He's getting parents, you know, blah, 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 whatever sport it's in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kids, the kid doesn't go out there to play badly. No, of course not. Um, and like, especially in a, in a rugby sense, if you've got your 10 and he's getting direction from the, the backs coach or whoever's running that session there, and then he's got the 12 talking to him, the nine talking to him, the 13 talking to him, and then four parents on the sideline talking to him. Who does he listen to? Because he wants to listen to these people because that's what he's got to do. But if he knows if he doesn't listen to his parents, they're going to crack it, you know. And we told you, yeah, it's a, it's a, um, and as you know, mate, from your playing days, how much do you actually notice from this? How much do you know? Like, I could come off after uh, out of a half time huddle and I couldn't tell you what the coach said, you know. No, it's like, so. I don't know. <laughs> well, I remember mine. Wouldn't, wouldn't have a clue, mate. I remember once Greg Coward started me in a game and, uh, and I was like, man, I'm an old broken man. What are you doing? And he was like, oh, you've earned it, mate. And I remember at halftime, I come out and he's like, you're steps slow to the breakdown. And you're like, you think I don't know that? I got a front row seat for this. Like yeah. the number seven is destroying me. Of course. I know I'm yeah. a step slow. Yeah, That's I'm why not. I shouldn't be in here. <laughs> so, and, and, and it's the same with the kids. Like you take those kids to that, to that, championship and you say to these you say some kids aren't going to get the same amount of time as everyone else but i reckon if you got those kids together and said tell me who your starting 15 is they're all going to pick like and the kids that are on the bench know they're going to get some game time but yeah i'm not the best 10 or i'm not the best 12 or i'm not the best this or that i know i'm going to get time but this guy's you know they're not usually far wrong from what and it's, it's the parents, it's the parents that can be. Right. um, And I, and I'm honest with some of the kids. Um, And in fact, this, this year we had this brand new kid and it's the second game of the tournament and he's going in and he's selected. So he's, we were only allowed to have a certain number of players on the sidelines, even though my roster was bigger. So we tried to mimic uh, what they do in international rugby. So we had some kids not wearing their jerseys, but they were Mm -hmm. wearing the team shirts and they were water, you know, running water. And then yep. we had others like, you know, the, had the, the kids who were on the roster, like warming up. And, yep, yep. and this one kid says to me, coach, you sure I should play? And I was like, what are you talking about? Yes. And he's like, but I'm, I'm brand new and I don't know quite what's going on. I'm like, how are you going to learn? And he's like, mm-hmm. but it's the tournament. I'm like, I don't care. Like, and then I always said another line I use all the time. It's like, you let me worry about coaching the team. You just do your best. You get out there and play. I'll coach. Okay. And so, you know, because he was worried, he was going to let his teammates down. And we talk all the time. In fact, one of the things that I do is show during our film session is I show the greatest players in the world making mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And how their teams react to it. Right. Richie yeah. McCall dropping the ball. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, all sorts of you know, there's that funny one. I use some funny clips too of like Nick Cummins when he kicks the ball into the back of somebody's head and like yeah. just, you know, comic ones. And it gets them laughing hysterically. I'm like, this is the best comp in the world. And then this stuff's happening. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? And so yeah. trying to get them to see that culture of like mistakes are part of the game. Mm. How we react to mistakes, right? If your teammate misses a tackle, 
That's your job to get over the top and support him as a teammate and drag that guy down. And if you miss the tackle, it's your job to bust your ass to get back there, right? To make up, right? And get back in a good defensive position and shake it off and make the next one. Um, it's that kind of building that culture, that positivity around the fact that, you know, it's just like life. You're going to work hard and you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Right? The people that don't make mistakes take no risk. And so that's, um, that to me is the key is that if we're going to play an interesting brand of rugby where we sling the ball around and we attack like crazy and we make ourselves really hard to defend, we're occasionally going to drop the ball. We're occasionally going to ship the ball into space where there is no one. It just happens, right? Um, how do you get back and cover for that, right? How do you make sure as a back um, that you know how to hit a ruck? right? And not stand there and wait for some poor forward to run 40 meters. You better hit that ruck. And then as a forward, when you get there, how do you have good hands off the base so you don't knock it on, right? And so it's all working on those skills of the rugby player. Um, and then one thing from the coach perspective is that we don't realize, I don't think most coaches realize how powerful their example is, right? So for instance, I, mean, I have one rule for myself. I never talk to the referee unless it's a safety issue. Mm -hmm. I will often, I'll talk to my captain. Sometimes I train my kids, my captains, even at the age of 10, how to speak to adults and how to speak to the referee and how to approach a, a situation with the referee yeah. and yeah. how they, how they bring it up to them. Uh, but that's, they see me never saying a word, even when we're wronged. If I yell at the referee, what good happens? Referee doesn't change a decision. No. Referee might just start saying, I'm going to watch this team even more close. So I yeah. never say a word. None of the players are allowed to say a word except our captain. That example, because they're like, even when we get wronged, like, you know, my son got pretty wronged in a call and he was got tackled, was putting the ball back and they dove over the top and he was trying to push yep. the ball through a player that had fallen over top of him. And the referee called him for not releasing. And it was, you know, a pretty tight part of the game. We were down inside five meters and it just didn't go our way. And so I reminded my, our kids, is like, that's going to happen all the time. Mm. How do you react to that? How do you win the ball back? Right? You know, go steal the line out. Like, get that ball back. Put pressure on him. Let's win the ball back and get back down there and make it right. If the referee is deciding a game with one call, then we're not playing well enough. Right? Yeah, that's... Yeah, absolutely. So do you, in your training sessions, do you do anything around around that and how to cultivate that? I know when I was coaching like an <laughs> under-16s or an under-18s team, and you've probably seen me do it, I referee, and I cheat when I referee at training. <laughs> and as soon as the first guy gives me lip, yep, march him 10 metres. Yes. Move, move. And I go, mate, I'm, I'm blatantly cheating. Because you're not going to get every call go your own way. You're not going to get this. But it's like you said, it's how you react. So do, so do you do anything at, at your training sessions to not... Similar, yeah, yeah. similar stuff. Um, part of it, too, is we remind each other about culture. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and I don't often punish them with running. But when they chirp, that is one of the things that they get punished with running sort of thing yeah. where it's like, all right. If we're going to chirp, if we got enough energy to chirp instead of breathing, let's all hit the goal line, 
and let's do, you know, let's do a set of uh, sprint ladders. So it's like, you know, we'll do hundred meters, right? Well, we'll do 22 to the 50, right? And return, sprint to the other 22, return, sprint to the hundred, then another hundred and then come back, right? Yeah. And we'll do one of those. And then they start realizing, you know, running your mouth's not worth it. It's like, um, but I do something similar too. Like I feel like defensively, if my, if my, um, you know, first set of players are just not giving any, any breathing room to my second back line, or like, I'll tell them they got to come back even further. Like, all right, you got to be back 10 meters from the, from the breakdown. And they're like, what? And like, we're going to work on that launch. Right. And then I'll start pinging them for being offside and they get so grumpy. And they're like, all we're doing is running backwards. And it's just trying to one, build their fitness. So we do a lot of gamification to, to build the fitness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, talking is just not something like when they back chat or, and it's even little things, just the, um, building the culture where the captain can reach over and touch someone's shoulder where they're talking about someone else is talking and the kid will get quiet. Right. And so, um, you know, and I'm lucky I got a couple of really mature kids as captains. One of them happens to be my own kid. Um, you know, and then I've got a, it's really interesting to see them grow into that role and mm-hmm. seeing as they go from being goofy, like third and fourth graders, and I still have some goofy fifth graders, but by the time they get in sixth grade, they're pretty switched on and they get pretty irritated when other kids aren't. And so the team starts to police itself. It will be interesting yeah. to see as they move into seven and eighth in their middle school team next year, um, if that continues to hold, but um, it's, it's fun to see, but yeah, it's about building that culture. And again, that takes time man. and, you know, things like that, where you call them for non-existent penalty and they're like, wait, what, you know, and I often say to them, uh, I don't put it the way you do, but I'll, I'll say like, Hey, hard luck. You know, you have a blind yeah. ref. Like, didn't you know, say whatever. it. Sorry, didn't say it. Like, forward pass. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, you'll appreciate this. Sometimes I'll, somebody will yell forward pass. And if they yell it, I don't call it. Yep. And, if, and so, uh, so I was like, look, you might have a New Zealand referee. Let's that stuff go. Right. So, so it's like. Can't find it. That's a mighty shot. A mighty Mark Lester. Yeah. And that sort of covered the last bit that I wanted to talk about around that development side of it. Um, I don't know what it's like in the States. Um, my, I've got a strong belief here that, especially in Australia, they've got coach education and coach development, and they're two completely different things. You can go mm-hmm. away and you can get, you know, level one, level two, whatever the levels are, you know, for whichever country you're in or whatever sport it is. But what do you, what do, you do outside of that to make yourself better? And I think every coach that I've spoken to that's had that, educational background have always said I've gone out and I've done I do this this and this like they do PDs and and they do this Mm -hmm. um and I know especially in Australia you don't you won't get invited to things but if you ask they very rarely say no if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and and like you were saying you know you, you go and watch another coach um or you watch you know even just on watching a game or, and stuff like that and just sucking in as much information as you can and then make it relevant to what you're coaching. Because no one's created anything new in rugby for the last 20 years. 
like there's nothing revolutionary out there. It's just mm. coaches just take a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, and throw it in the pot and see what comes out. Yeah, it, that's something too. We're very similar here. We have the coaching courses, but there's no, at least not that I know of, no like exchange program, right? No way of, um, you know, and the MLR teams are doing what they can. They're doing a mm -hmm. lot actually, um, considering how under-resourced they are in terms of a pro outfit. And they're, I mean, they're just trying to stay afloat, right? And, mm -hmm. they, and they're just trying to stay, and it's, I mean, it's a healthy league considering it's brand new, but I don't expect them to sort of say, oh, here's our coaching seminars and here's our other stuff. But the fact is they're doing a lot in terms of letting kids come to training sessions, right? Or yeah. running summer workshops where we just get kids excited about playing and meeting these ginormous, you know, humans who play rugby. And, and so that they're doing a lot of good stuff there. But I feel like it's up to coaches after they get, like, I'm going up for my 300 level this fall, um, you know, in a couple of months. And the classes are quite good. In fact, my instructor, she was amazing. She's a college level coach and director of rugby for a university program. And I learned a ton from her just in a, a one day work, two day, I think it was a two day workshop. Um, but again, it's a, you know, it's just, a couple of three or four hour sessions. It's, you know, it's not like any long-term sort of thing, you know, and you put together a lesson plan that you would use for practice. I mean, I do that all the time anyway, so it wasn't anything new. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously do it in my own work. And so that, there's nothing beyond those courses for us here. Yeah. And I would love to start seeing you know, USA Rugby has a pretty good uh, relationship with New Zealand Rugby. I would love to start seeing select coaches from, and what, you know, I do think we have some university coaches going across, but I would love to see it from the grassroots youth level, high school, because that's really where, you know, in my opinion, that's really where you make a rugby country, right? Mm -hmm. at, at the youth and high school levels, you know, schoolboy in Australia, and you send those guys to those premier clubs and into, you know, NPC and uh, in New Zealand and like, you know, and they move into those sort of semi-professional, professional outfits below super rugby. So, you know, that's where we're missing the boat. I feel like it's like, we're not, we're not doing enough to support those youth coaches beyond Oh, they're 200 level cert, so they can coach tackling, right? It's yeah, uh, right. Yeah. where do they go from there, so they can hang out with other other coaches and learn other stuff and go see another coach's training practice. But I do the same thing you do. I just ask, mm. like you know, hey, can I show up at your training just to get some, you know, watch what you're doing as coaches, you know, just yeah. to learn for myself. And people don't they never turn you down or, or I went and watched, um, with a local track program here has won like five or six national titles. And I just went and watched a couple of their training sessions. So, you know, I'm not a track coach, but I want to see, I used to be, but I want to see what you do. Like, what does it look like? Yeah. How do they run a training session? Yeah. Right. And, and I think, so we get taught what to coach, but not how to coach. Mm. And, and like you said, by looking at other sports and other coaches and 
you know, even like teachers and um, even guys like um, PTs in the gyms and how they just interact mm -hmm. and how they get a guy to, you know, do whatever it is they're doing and how do they deal with large groups and that IQ around how to, not what to, because everyone's got their own what, you know, their own, mm -hmm. this is how I think it should be done. But I think we struggle as coaches, especially when we're starting out on the, the, the group dynamics of if, you ha if you're not in that, if you've never been in that space before. Um, and that's yeah, and I, know, I know for me, I'm a little lucky working with kids because that's what I do. I teach elementary teachers how to teach and I understand a lot about development, understand a lot about what makes a kid tick. And sometimes you can see when you're getting on a kid that if you stay on them, you might lose them, Yeah. right? They give you little hints. Um, and that's hard to explain to people what that looks like. Mm -hmm. I know when I see it, um, and some kids it's different. Um, you know, I called out one of our best players earlier this year and say, listen, when you run straight, you're an extraordinary rugby player. When you run sideways, you're average. And I said it in front of the team. And I'll tell you what, well, that could be a dangerous thing to say yeah. that to one of yeah. your best players. But I understood his competitive streak and I understand he wants to get better, right? And I've talked to him privately about it. But now everybody knew like, hey, right? And so you could hear kids in practice when he would run sideways and he'd get drilled and they would get up and say, man, you are easy to tackle running sideways. And all of a sudden, you know, he started running straight and looping, getting the ball out wide or running straight and smashing kids. And he's like, who's easy to tackle now? And it's like that, that changes like knowing what might make one kid tick, right? Sometimes yeah. you swing and miss and you just go apologize to a kid. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, I've done that. Or if I, if I did something I thought was out of line, like sometimes you reflect on it and you go, hey, yesterday when I got yeah. on us, I was a little over the top. And that's, I'm going to apologize to everyone now. And then yeah. I make myself run, I'll make myself do sprint work for it. And so the kids think it's hilarious watching coach. And then they're like, coach, stop running. You're making me hurt. You look terrible, right? Because they can see <laughs> my old broken body, right? But it's, it's those little things, um, you know, that, that can build that culture. But yeah, it's understanding what makes your, your athletes tick is a really important thing. And it's different with men, you know? Um, oh, not, not so much. You don't think? You don't think? Uh, not so much. Mate. I guess. I've, I've got guys I can call out in front of everybody and others. you got to. You know, you put your arm, you got to put your arm around them. And, and again, that's just knowing, yeah. <coughs> knowing that guy. Cause like you said, you say that to, to the kid standing next to him and that kid just crumbles Switch, and you just go, right. oh, Jesus, mate, the senior players are exactly the same. You'll get the ones you can, you know, you, not make an example, but you, you can say it in right. front of everyone and others, you've got to have that conversation with the arm around them and, you know, um, yeah, it's and we have a two-way street at our training too. Yep. Is that sometimes like if I'm speaking or the coaches are talking, there's no talk. Everyone's listening. But we certainly have times where we'll ask questions, kids can ask questions of us. I tell them they can always ask me what's my intention, like why are we learning this skill? Mm -hmm. And I should mm -hmm. be able to explain to them why they're learning this skill. And if I don't tell you why you're learning this skill, you can ask me. 
and I can tell you what, how this skill is going to translate. Um, but it's funny sometimes in games, I know like we had a team run a brilliant line out play against us. I mean, it's brilliant. It was a brilliant set piece move and it absolutely faked out our hooker in the, in the tackle channel. He's like, and he just, he just goes like this to me, coach, that's my guy. I completely, I completely whiffed. If they run it again, I got it. Yeah. But he was just like, I understand. I got it, coach. So, but it's that kind of building that it's okay, you know, for a kid to own up to a mistake. It doesn't have to get screamed at. He knows. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. kids don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to drop balls. They don't want to miss tackles, right? Um, they don't want to get completely fooled by a lineup set piece play where they're like, what just happened? Why? Whoa. I miss that. So yeah, you don't need yeah. to, you don't need to yell at them to tell them that they, they had front row seat. <laughs> yeah. And I think going back to that bit where you said that every now and again, you'll go, sorry guys, I got that wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that also em empowers the players to go. He's actually admitted that he's got that wrong or he didn't know. Or mm -hmm. So then when they actually, sometimes you can ask them and they'll go, Oh, I, I don't know. And like it, it's not being vulnerable to them, but you can just go, yeah, I got that wrong, guys. Or look, that wow. what what that drill looked like in my head doesn't look like what we're doing now. So we're just going to right. scan it. Um, and I do that with some of the line-out stuff we do with the boys. I'll go, let's do this. And they go, what are we going to call it? I said, mate, not naming it yet. Because if we throw it away, we throw it away. And we've right. done stuff. And we, we'll do them three or four times. And the boys will go, this is not going to work. Go, cool, get rid of it. And they go, really? I go, yeah, because mm -hmm. what it looks yeah. like in my head and what it looks like on the paddock are two different things and we're not going to get there. So let's get rid of it, move on to something else. And it just yeah. gives them then that opportunity to go, oh, but what if we do this? And, you know, it just, yeah, like you said, it just gives them that, all the, yep, sorry, that's me. I got that. That was my bad. Sorry. Yep. And the guys go, yep, cool. Let's go. Next, next, keep going. And none of us are perfect. And <laughs> I think we can demonstrate no. that too as coaches. And, and here's an example. When we you know, played our arch nemesis team that we always seem to face in the finals at States, uh, we played them in the regular season and they showed their cards one game too early. If they had done this to us at the state tournament, they probably would have beat us. Mm -hmm. But it took me a day of reflection to figure it out, what, was, what they were doing. And we were playing um, like basically like 12s at the time because so we didn't have enough 15s. And, what was happening is our kids were getting to the breakdown pretty quickly and their first player would pull us through the breakdown and they had really quick players that were sniping through the sides. The referee is not calling it because it's happening really quickly yeah, yeah. and, and it's a youth ref, you know, it's, you know, they, they were well coached and they were obviously coached. They'd obviously done that. And I apologized to my kids on the Tuesday to say, I didn't recognize it until it was too late. Like I didn't recognize it in the first half, what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to, to fix it at halftime because I couldn't, I didn't see it. I said, but I noticed it in the last five minutes of the game when we were a little more tired and they were a little less crisp and it had slowed them down just a little bit. And I was able to see it. And I apologized on the Tuesday that I said, my job as the coach is to fix those things is to help you learn ways to solve those problems during before and after games. And I said, but I missed it during the game, but I ain't missing it when we get to the state tournament and this is how we're going to solve it. And we, we went through solving that problem. We 
we mimicked it in training. We told them how we were going to, you know, slow that breakdown and, and clean up the sides. And I said, you know, you smash a few kids off the side of a rug. They're not going to want to come in from the sides anymore. Mm. And so, you know, got my kids to anchor better, got a few of my tougher kids to clean out those kids coming through the sides. And what do you know? Fixed it. Right. And mm. we didn't lose those balls anymore. And so that's one of those things that when the kids see, oh, coach made a mistake or didn't see something during a game, reflected on it, came back with a plan. We enacted the plan and the plan worked and we buried them. Then they start seeing like, hey, listening to coach helps, right? Listening. And when we do these game plans, we get results mm. Right? Mm. If, if, we, if we buy into them. And that builds, again, the culture of the team, right? And the ways that we go about preparing to play. So, but yeah, you have to be open that, you know, we're not infallible. Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. Um, and I had plenty of coaches that never got anything wrong. And I look at them and I just, they're probably the coaches I hated the most, to be honest. Um, well, there, there have been games too where my kids just aren't switched on. And I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. Like I can't, mm -hmm. I can't get them fired up and, um, or I can just tell we're going through the motions and, and I'll say it to him. Like, I'm worried you guys are going through the motions. I'm worried about what's going to happen to us. And we go out and get, you know, we get thoroughly thumped and talk to the kids afterward. I'm like, well, what's going on? And they're yeah. like, oh, we just didn't have it today. And that's the weird thing about rugby is it can happen that way. Mm. So, so I've been pretty proud of this run. These kids have been on. It's, it's pretty special to have kids be able to every year and, and it switches composition every year. Cause it's a two year age band. So, some yeah. of the kids move up and I move up with my son every year. So like next year, we'll bring about 60% of the team with us. The other 40% will stay in the other grade level and we'll try to recruit some more. And, but they've been able to, to keep that thing going. And I try to explain to their parents, like it's pretty special to win six titles in a row. Yeah. Or our seventh season, every kid played in this last seventh season and we went 19 and 0 in sevens. Like we didn't lose a game of sevens. Like that's not, I try to explain to the parents, like you don't win six tournaments in sevens by accident no, and not lose a game. No, especially in sevens. Cause it's we, small margins of error. Cost, right. you, cost you dearly in sevens. Right. I mean, and we yeah. won semifinal and final 77 to zero. If you combine the scores, like it just, I, so I was trying to explain to parents, like these things don't happen in sevens. Like this is a special group. Mm -hmm. And so, um, to enjoy it, right? Just the season was over. And I never even talked about undefeated season until it was over and said, hey, do you guys realize we didn't lose a game this summer? And they're all like, wait, what? Like, so the kids were never even focused on it. Mm. They weren't focused on, they were surprised when I told them we were 19 and 0 because they didn't pay attention to result. They paid yeah. attention to the standard, right? Yeah. And nice. every one of my kids played significant minutes and they still... You know, so you can develop players and be, you know, getting the results you want. But so no, that's awesome. That's some really good insights there. Mate, thank you so much for your time. Hey, um, thank you. It's been it's been thanks for staying time. up late. Oh mate, no dramas. Is that rugby tomorrow? So it's all right. I, um, yeah, sorry to I hear got, that. I got to got to stay up late tonight, so um that's no, all good, mate. Uh, been a long time since we've had a chat, so it was good. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and is Bledisloe on tomorrow? Is it a second yes, game tomorrow? Yes, it is, mate. It is. Yeah, those Aussies gave me a little bit of uh, hope, man. Yeah. Those young boys playing with some 
some flair. It was fun to see, like playing with some, you know, and listen, I, I'm not trying to fault any of the other clubs and I don't know if it's check his style that I didn't like that sort of crash and bash, but I, I sort of love this style. These Aussies are playing now. I think it fits their talent. Mm. So, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how we go. I hope, I hope, right? Well, there's only one way to go, mate. That's up from where we were. So, well, that's how I feel. I'm. I got tickets to the USA All Blacks game in October, uh, yeah. here in DC. Um, I just hope it's not too big a thrashing. <laughs> I mean, we'll front up, we'll play hard. We lost seventy-four to six the last time. I just hope we can score a try. I don't think we've ever scored a try against the All Blacks. I'd like to do that. So. Little steps, little steps. That's right. All right, mate. Hey, Thanks good so to talk to you. Thanks so much for your time, man, and I'll talk to yeah, you Thank soon. you. All right, man. Appreciate it. Right on, mate. Take Thanks for listening to that episode. Um, so next week, I'll put out the final part of the conversation I had with Andy. And in that episode, we're going to talk about his thoughts where he thinks USA rugby is as a whole and the growth of the game and how... He uses gamification in his training um, to help players understand and questioning and a lot of other things around that. So, again, keep your ear out for next week. I appreciate your support. I really appreciate the time Andy gave up on this night. Um, it was quite late for me and it was quite early for him. Um, so I do appreciate his time. I know he's a very busy man, um, but I took a lot away from the, this chat and I hope you have as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Feel free to share. Make sure you like and subscribe so you get the updates when they come out. Uh, and once again, guys, uh, make sure we're sharing content and helping each other grow as coaches. That's a mighty shot. A mighty Mark Lester. A